This is weird shit that my mom says. This is episode two. I'm Jules Creighton. And I am Cece Alice. Welcome to episode two. I'm super excited that we have three listeners. We have three so far. That are not our family. Yeah, three of them that aren't our family. Eight people listen to it total. (laughs) Hi, people that aren't our family. I've been doing a little bit of announcing things on Instagram, which I don't really know how to use fully. I put some hashtags on it, and that seemed to help us get more interaction on the post. I don't know how to use any of the grams. Yeah, me neither. I'm just getting started with this, but I think I'll I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll be our marketing team. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I I didn't know that that she was going to actually put it out on Spotify, and she was like, surprise, motherfuckers. There it was. I just thought that we were like weren't putting it out quite yet, but you did it. I did it because I was like, well, nobody's going to listen to it, which was true until I put it on Instagram. And then you seemed excited that it was on Spotify. So I was like, I guess let's just do this shit. Let's just go. Well, the cool part about it is my one of my middle daughters is going to be working on our art for it. So I'm pretty excited for that to get done too but for a space holder i do like your little skeleton man yeah screaming skeleton is just a space holder but he's funny i think we should give him a name i think his name is ernie his but i don't is... know why but because you can call him Ern. oh that's hilarious okay really hilarious i think it was because i love puns i'm very punny okay before we lose these listeners Can you tell us what you're going to talk about? Yeah, I'm talking about Norm the Crescent Wrecker. I chose a story that turns out lots of people have done, but I'm probably not a very good researcher. So like some of it just might be like full of shit. I kind of will just improvise here. And also I did this research like what, a week and a half ago now? Yeah, I think that all old timey ones, you don't ever know if your research is a piece of shit because the newspapers I'm learning as we're researching these old murders, I'm learning that the newspapers are really inconsistent. So it's really hard to tell what's true and what's not. But I like to think that they at least pick the most entertaining parts. That's what I'm doing. That's yeah. that's what this podcast is about. It's about entertaining you, not about the truth. Well, I mean, we want to tell the truth as much as possible. I mean, no, I'm not. Well, like, we're not just making shit up. I might. Sometimes. Okay. Well, these people are dead. What are they going to do? haunt me they might yes she wants the hauntings all right let's get let's get into this okay so i'm about to piss off norman let's see here in february of 2019 there was a landscape artist at the crescent hotel and spa in eureka arkansas she was driving around in one of those dirt pusher things that's named after some kind of big cat like a bobcat except for we don't know if that's the right one yes yeah I'm going to call it a space cat. Okay. Space cat. Just imagine like it's wearing like a, like an astronaut helmet. Well, a space cat has a claw. I don't care. You can have a claw yeah. and an astronaut helmet. Yeah. Okay. So she's driving around the space cat thing and she picks up a big old chunk of dirt in it and it makes a little rattle sound. That's I'm like clanking noises is what I'm anticipating happened. Like somebody's doing a cheers while they pick up the box. Yes! They're like, cheers. It's like when everybody at a wedding is like, clink, clink, clink. 
They want somebody to kiss. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Nobody kissed. Oh. Uh, she found a bunch of these really old medicinal bottles. And then, I mean, like, they're dirty as fuck. So she's, like, whoosh, 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 like, cleaning them off and shit. And she's, like, oh, my God, hold up. We need some archaeologists up in this bitch. Because there it was, like, chunks of something in the bottles. Chunks of, like, like people? It looked like pieces of people. Like? Like human specimens, like, floating in some clearish liquid in the bottles. But they couldn't tell what they were, so it wasn't like there was, like, a brain or a dick floating in the jar. There wasn't a brain or a dick floating <laughs> in the jar. I just feel like there could be a dick in the jar. Why? I don't know. Oh, my God. One time I watched this movie... And it was, it had to be like, it was like way back before my oldest daughter was born. So. Forever ago. Like when Frank was like itty bitty guy. Yeah. And I was watching this movie. I think it was like in Ireland or something. And the person like cut off his dude's dick and put it in a bottle. See, I knew it. Like a specimen. Like a message in a bottle, but a dick. No, but she just liked it. Oh. All right, well. Okay, anyway, so that might have happened. So There could have been some dicks in jars, but have, they needed an archaeologist. Right, like they needed an archaeologist, but more important than that, she was looking at it and was like, dude, I know exactly what these are, or I think I do. And so I need this dude named Keith Scales. He was the hotel's ghost tour manager. So they already knew that there was some creepy shit that happened yeah. at this place. Oh, totally. They totally knew. And they also had this, like, old-timey uh, 1930s poster advertisement for the Cancer Curable Baker Hospital huh. that was run there at that location back in the late 30s oh. by a gentleman named Norman Baker. Norman's a creepy-ass name. Norman is a creepy-ass name. Is it because wasn't one of, like, the... That the Halloween movies, is that guy's name Norman? No. The guy, Norman Bates, at the hotel. With oh, his mom. Oh, okay. He was like a, was he like a necrophiliac? I don't know. I didn't watch, I don't watch like that kind of movie. Wasn't it the one where they're like, wee, 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 and he like stabs people through the shower? Yeah, yeah the Bates Motel. The they made a show about it, too. Oh. But also, if your name is Norm, I think Normie is a cute name. Yeah, like, I mean, there's Normans, and I'm sure, like, I don't want to offend anybody named Norman. And there's paranormal. But I am suspicious of people named Norman. Well, this guy was suspicious as fuck. Okay, what did he do? Okay, so she calls in Keith. He is the the ghost tour guy, right? So he's, like, the expert on the hauntings at the place. And he was like, oh, my God, these are identical to that poster. Ooh. And if that's the case, then there were chunks of fucking human. And the chunks of human were cancerous tumors. Ew, so they're just in there, like, cutting tumors off and putting them in jars? Yeah. Oh. hmm Why? What are you going to do with those chunks? I don't chunks? know. Fuck. So, I, I I don't really know. All what right. You, well, I might. Well, I might know. <laughs> All right. I'd like to tell you. Okay. Tell us why there's okay. cancer chunks. Norman McCreepypants, he used those jars as a, you know, he took pictures of them and used them for advertisements for a magical cure that he had for cancer. Oh, I don't think that worked. 
Yeah. So it's a pretty gnarly story. So what they did was they called in. Well, first thing they did was like call the police because they're like, okay, what the fuck? Just in case, like, because what if it wasn't from Norm? Yeah, they, they got to check it out. I get it. They did have to check it out because they're like, this could, what if there were like dicks in the bottle? Yeah, like what if they were dick chunks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry that my brain goes there, but it does. Anyway, uh, that wasn't what they needed. The police came and they were like, we don't care about these dicks. Yeah. You guys need an archaeologist. So they had the Arkansas Archaeological Survey. You got there. I got there eventually. The Arkansas Archaeological Survey. They dug through the layers of dirt for a couple of months, and they found what they thought was the lost dump site of, like, over 400 medical bar... Bar? Medical Medical bars? Medical bars. Um, just kidding. That's not what they said. It was 400 medical bottles, specimen jars, and some really grody, like, sur- surgical tools. Ew. Like, not good stuff to find. No. So it turns out that in the 1960s, and I'll come back to this later, the owners at the time, because things were kind of, you know, not not going real well at the hotel. Yeah. It was kind of a downtime for them. And I suppose they didn't have a lot of money or whatever. And they told people that they took all that crap to the dump. Yeah. And they actually just put it like in a root cellar and then just buried it. Oh. Yeah. And like, who would have thought that they needed a bigger parking lot? You know? And once we get into this story, I'm going to go back to that because why did they not get rid of all of those chunks of people back in the day? Like yeah, like, like when when did the cancer hospital exist there? It just makes me question things for old time detectives and stuff. Like, who goes in there and they're like, oh, well, that's okay. We'll just leave that there. I don't know. People find like dead bodies in buildings that they buy sometimes. And they're like, well, we, we knew it was there, but we, we didn't want to do anything with it. Why? I don't know. Okay. I saw it on an episode of Ghost Adventures. There was just a body in somebody's building that they bought. It was a skeleton. Oh, you watched yeah. it. With Everything on Ghost Adventures is true. Totally. Because Zach Baggins is the most trustful person. He's just the most. He's just the most. Correct. I just, with how dramatic he is, I just don't believe that everything is fully happening the way it does. Zach Baggins is going to come at me now. I believe in you, Zach. Okay, good. If you ever listen to this, I believe in you. Let's keep going. I want to learn more about okay, this. Okay, yes. Let's learn more about I don't about understand. This guy. Why the fuck would somebody do this? That's what this all brought us to, right? Yeah. Okay, so Normie Boy is a huckster. Do you know what a huckster is? No. Well, I found that term in the old-time newspapers. You discovered it. What does it mean? I discovered it. Me. Huckster is basically like what Dad would call a shyster. Okay. So, like... They're gonna, they're gonna bullshit you. They're gonna try to pull the wool over your eyes and like sell you shit you don't want. Like a con artist. Kinda. Yeah. They're out for themselves. They're slippery motherfuckers. Okay. Kinda like the politicians. They are. Of your. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, in the year of our Lord, 1882, in the land of Iowegians, specifically Muscatine, Iowa, along the banks of the mighty Mississippi, 
Norman Baker was born. Silver spoon in mouth to John and Francis Mary Baker. Okay. Did you like that? Yeah, I did. It was good. Okay. I was trying to sound very official. So basically his daddy had a bunch of patents, like over 126 inventions. He operated the first sheet iron boiler factory in Muscatine, Iowa. And his mom, before she got married, she was prenuptially a writer. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Good for her. That's back in the olden days. I know. It was badass. Like a lady doing some shit back then. Yeah, his parents sound like okay people. That's my point here. So he was the youngest of like eight or ten kids. Oh. I I wasn't sure. Eight, eight or ten, something like that. Eight yeah. or ten kids. Um, the reason that he quit school in the tenth grade was that he was just like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go work in machine shops. Um, and he learned a bunch of important engineering type things that he used later on. I support people that work in that. I mean, like. You support breaking out of school. Well, not breaking out of school, but, like, at least he, like, he was, like, I'm going to go into, like, the trades or engineering. He still kept going. I watched this I watched this documentary that was awesomely bad. Like, it was on par with the, um, what do you call that? The claymation stuff. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, like, claymation a claymation. very uncomfortable. It does, but it's so, it's so bad that it's good. Like, that's how this documentary was, and I want you to watch it afterwards. Okay. But in that, and the part where he was leaving, they had people, like, acting and stuff. And he was like, I got to get out of here, Ma and Pa. I can't stay in this town anymore. <laughs> and that was when he left. And then and they were like, it's okay, we still have nine or seven kids left. Nine and or seven. Yeah. No, his parents were very upset in the documentary. Oh. In the articles I read, they really didn't seem to give a fuck. So they loved Norman. That's what I think they were going at. They were like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Like, he got love, but... He had all the love. But he was oh. taking cancer. But he was people. the youngest. The youngest is always a psychopath. I'm the youngest. I get it now. Oh, we all get so fucked up. <laughs> I'm a middle child. You are a middle child. See, I was guessing you was a middle child, but... Middle child are like, look at me, bitches! Yeah, I know. And he was kind of like, look at me, bitches. But maybe he just got overlooked in his house being the youngest. Because sometimes that happens to us. He had a lot of potential. So what he basically ended up doing was he decided he was going to just be like a drifter. Okay. But he was like a crafty drifter. Because he would actually work and stuff. He would... Go around, like, making tool and die stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, And ran around with some other drifters, which were... uh This is this gets really weird. Like, it goes in a weird direction. Because you're like, okay, he's making things. Yeah. And then all he of a sudden... Like he's, like, being a normal person. But apparently in his spare time, he also worked as a circus barker. Do you know what that means? I would imagine it's, like, a hype man for the circus. Hello, come to the circus. Did you say a hype man? Like a hype man. Oh, hype. Like Flava Flav. Okay, well, I imagined like a really tall man. <laughs> a hype man? The guy on stilts. <laughs> yes! The guy on stilts? I was like, a hype man? <laughs> yes, he became a hype man. That's what you call that. A 
hype man. I'll an- I'll enunciate. You're right. He he was like a circus barker. He was like, I'm making some tool and die shit on the side, but then also I'm going to announce this two-headed cow and some other freaks of nature. So he's like, stop right up. Maybe he did it on stilts. You I bet know he, that. He did. Okay. He did it on stilts. I just, I decided. Okay. He was a hype man, circus barker, talking about two-headed cows on stilts. Perfect. I like it. And I'm not sure if he did that before or after he kind of became obsessed with this thing called vaudeville. Probably during, I'm guessing. Okay, so vaudeville, it's spelled like mod, like my chicken mod. Yeah. Okay, like vaudeville is a type of entertainment that was popular in the early 20th century. It was a mix of acts, like like live acts, like burlesque comedy song dance like i don't know if like charlie chapman kind of thing i think that he yes i think that that's been considered i think it's like i'm s- familiar with the vaudeville and i believe that people have talked oh, about are. it in that kind of okay. context well i imagine it to be like a bunch of squirrely little men in weird bowler hats and then also there are mentalists i love a good mentalist they were really into that back during that time period. Also, yeah. like, Victorian people did that, a lot of seances and stuff. Oh, yeah, they did. Okay, well, this is more like a mentalist. Okay. Rather than, like, seances or whatever. But he really got into these things, and he saw this dude, and he totally coveted thy neighbor, who was a guy named Professor Flint. He was this stage mentalist, and he was like, that guy is fucking cool, I want to be just like that guy. So he decides that he's going to make his own show. And in 1904, he hires this woman. I don't know what the fuck her name is, but he decides he's going to call her Madame Pearl Tangley. He decided that because there was a pile of tangled pearls on his dresser or circus trailer. False. All right. Why, he then? decided that because Muscatine, is it Muscatine? Muscatine. Muscatine, Iowa, was like the, I don't know, the capital of making pearl buttons. Okay. I don't know why the fuck he wanted everybody to know that they made pearl buttons or he why. He loved Muscatine. Do you think he was just like wearing pearl snap shirts everywhere? And he looked down and the buttons were tangled. I'm going to just keep going with Tangly. (laughs) Tangly is actually like something in England. Oh. Like a place? I don't know why he used it, but Madame Pearl Tangly was his bitch. And he called himself Charles Welch. Okay. So he had fake names like we have fake names. Yeah. On here. Because that's what you do when you're an entertainer. Yeah, because you don't want people to know who you are. No. Well, he probably did, but he, I get it. I get it. Well, he was trying to, like, make a name for himself, right? And A fake he, name. Yeah, a fake name for himself. And he basically, like, tooled around the Midwest, like, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, stuff like that. And he actually got to a point where he had an audience of, like, over 300 people a week. That's really good. It is. It's really good. Yeah, good job, Norman. Yeah, yeah. So far. He's a hawkster, man. He was he was selling himself to people. Yeah. I'd like to believe that those people are real, but I know they're not. 
Madame Pearl Tangley, she she was done with him by 1909, which, I mean, pretty good run. Like, she stayed with him for five years. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So when she left, he was like, I'm just going to get a cool, newer Madame Pearl Tangley. And he just, like, plucked some bitch out of college and was like, yeah, you don't need that shit. You're just a lady. Come with me and you can be a mentalist. And she was like, okay. And so she went with him and she was so cool that he married her. So they got married. They were on a break. It was kind of like summer break. Oh, I thought their marriage was on a break. <laughs> no! <laughs> they did that in 1900s? The early No. You're allowed to get a divorce. A break, though. We're just on a break. All right. They're on summer. Like Ross and Rachel. They're on summer vacation. They were on a break. They would go around and tour these vaudeville people, like, all together, right? Like carnies do. Yeah. I'm so sorry if you're a carny. No, you know what? I don't care. If you're a carny, you understand. They know what the life is. They know what the life is. You understand. Okay. So the year is 1914. So at this point, let's see, it had been like five years. Yeah. He went on, on break and they were like, maybe we should settle down for a minute. So they went to Muscatine while they were breaking out there. He accidentally made a machine. His father-in-law played the organ. Okay. So he was an organist. It has nothing to do with organs. Music. Musical organs and Musical not organs. Like your tummy. Or a liver. A liver. And that's a better example of an organ. <laughs> okay. Okay. So father-in-law, organ, wife plays the piano. And he was like, oh, my God, you guys, you know, it would be so cool. Like, I'm so excited to go back with the crew on vaudeville in the fall but what would be so cool is if we had like a really big kind of like organy thing that we could play that would like be so fucking loud that people wouldn't be able to ignore us and they wouldn't they wouldn't need a circus barker anymore maybe he was trying to automate the circus barker profession so he decided to call it the tangly air calliope All later right. on they simply renamed it the calliophone so what the fuck is a calliophone i'm gonna read this is a musical instrument that produces sound by sending a gas originally steam or more recently compressed air through large whistles which were originally locomotive whistles is what he used Okay. So think of the Julia Bell Swain, that big giant Mississippi River steamboat. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know. If you guys don't know what that is, because you never lived on the Mississippi, it's just like a big giant river boat, and it makes like makes I, I'm like boaty music, and I'm like I that I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it's got like a big giant organ thing, and it's so fucking loud. It's like like they're at a carnival. Yeah. Thing carnivalish, like, like you imagine, like Mark Twain hanging out on the, on yeah. the deck, doing okay. a little ditty out there. A calliope is typically very loud. Even some small calliopes are audible for miles. There's wow. no way to vary the tone or the loudness. Musically, the only expression possible is the pitch, rhythm, and duration of the notes. The steam calliope is also known as a steam organ or a steam piano. So basically, he made a shit ton of money and making this thing, and he sold it to some people. Okay. 
like circus people. I don't really know why a lot of people bought them. Because they're cool. They were on street corners. Oh, I suppose like street vendors, they were like, come get a taco. Yeah. Like that. I get that. And, and the it automated the circus barkers. And if there wasn't enough people to fill it, they were like, we don't have to hire somebody anymore. We have this thing. So they're either going to think that there's a vendor at a street corner or a circus. They can just do it themselves. Or a riverboat. Yeah, I saw all these pictures of things. They had them like on trucks. People put them on like a little bicycle. Oh, wow. So they're just... I might have made that part up. So did he get rich from these? Yeah. He got really fucking rich. He made a shit ton of money. And then he was like, go away, Madam Tangley. He just he just made her go? Yeah. He left her? I like to believe that she would leave him because she's like, I don't like you anymore. Her father was his muse. Yeah, she was his muse. God. She was on that stupid stage for five years. And she was also like the actual musical artist of the family. So he just got rich off these people and were like... Yeah, he is. He became a full-time manufacturer of creepy carny music, Frankenstein machines, and he made like 200k that year. That's which in today's money, yeah, what is that? Is equal to a lot, like million, like a lot. You just don't. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, that's all right. Okay. His factory burned down. Ooh. Because everybody's fucking factory burns down. Well, for insurance money? No. Oh. Just like people should burn down back then. I guess, yeah. It was the olden days. Okay. So he was like, what do I do now? And of course he picked another thing that he wasn't talented at. Art. Okay. I I don't know why he like picks stuff that he's really not good at. He believes he can do anything. He really does. Like he seriously believes he can do anything. He's seriously a narcissist. Yeah. There's no fucking way he's not. Because, okay, on this one... He started an art school, and at this point in time, you know, like, everybody was starting to know who he fucking was. This is where one of my favorite parts comes in, because at this point, like, he's like, I'm so cool, everyone look at me, I'm going to wear purple all the time. (laughs) Cool. Like, like fucking Grimace. Purple's my favorite color, but I don't wear it all the time. But you don't, like, like no, he seriously, like, walked around wearing, like, a fucking purple suit. It's his trademark, man. It's his trademark. He got himself like a bulletproof roadster that was purple. All right. And so that's the name of the documentary. It was The Man in Purple. Oh, so The Man in Purple. I'm going to be honest with everybody. That's the whole reason why I chose this episode. Because the documentary was so bad? No, because, oh, because the of first the thing I read about him was like, the man always wears purple. And I'm like... What the fuck? That's fucking weird. It is fucking weird. I thought you would think it was funnier. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed. Like, maybe if he was round. (laughs) (laughs) I'm round, and if I wore purple, it would be bad. Like an all-purple suit? Yeah, if I just wore purple. Like, who the fuck wears an all-purple suit? Anyway. look like Grimace. So he did. (laughs) He, He did. And he had this art school... And it was basically like like black and white photos. But oh, I they thought would, maybe they were purple and white. Just wait. They did tinting and painting of the photos. Like in purple. I'm sure there was <laughs> some purple involved. Don't try to redeem yourself now okay. that you didn't okay. think it was funny. Okay. 
So, you know, like the black and white photos that grandma had on her wall of like graduation or whatever. And then she had like a little bit of pink on her cheeks. Yes. And when I was a small child, I was like, that's beautiful. I thought it was too. I thought it was awesome. You did? Yeah. You're scared of old timey photos. Well, you weren't scared of those. Well, I know those people because they weren't dead. 1960s and 70s and even 50s. That's fine. But when I guess like when we start looking at like the early 1900s and 1800s, that scares me. It scares me a lot, especially while we're researching these old cases. <laughs> I don't like it. Didn't I try to make you dress up in an old timey outfit once? Yeah, I don't need that because I, I don't want to be like I'm dead. That's why I wanted you to do it because it upset you. Yeah, I don't. She's always trying to upset me. I like to upset you. I know. It's funny. It's I'm funny. I'm hanging my head in shame right now. You should be. Anyway, so I don't really know. While all this shit's going on, I have no idea what happened to his art school or whatever, but people were doing stuff. All this stuff's going on in Muscatine, right? And so he decides that he's going to start getting into, like, civic duty. Everything he's doing is under the guise of civic duty because what does a huckster do? They try to pretend like they care about you. Yeah. So he decides he's going to go to like the Father Time clan of Muscatine, a.k.a. the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And he's like, guys, listen, I have an idea. All you have to do is give me this license to open this radio station and I am going to like turn our sleepy town into a booming place. Put Muscatine on the map. Put Muscatine on the map. How's he going to do that? He is going to open a radio station that can go for miles and miles. Everyone can hear what he calls KTNT. That's the name of his radio station. It stands for Know the Naked Truth. Oh. This is in 1925, right? Yeah. So everybody's got like little flapper dresses on, and cutting just... their hair. He's got little jazzy people hanging around him. Are they wearing purple? Everybody's wearing purple. You probably couldn't work there if you didn't wear purple. Is there a uniform? It was their purple uniform. Okay. I'm imagining. He later on paints a whole bunch of things purple. So I bet you the whole inside of his radio station was painted purple. It was like up on a big hill. Like a shining beacon of purple hope. Oh my god, yes. Okay, what did what was his so the naked truth, what does that mean? So He's like, welcome to KTNT, Know the Naked Truth. And basically what he did was he became like one of the most prominent radio guys in the whole like Midwest. He's so successful. He is because he's a fucking liar. He's like, he's like the shyster politicians. Yeah. So he starts going off like radical. Okay. And what he does is he hones in on... The, like, factory workers and the farmers. And he broadcasts at a time that he knows that they're all sitting down to dinner. And, like, yeah. And he starts, like, calling them out and being, like, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about the little guy. All these big-time people are out to get you. The AMA, the American Medical Association, Wall Street. Fuck them. They're out to get you, the little guys. They don't care about you. They're using you for their, for your money. Fuck. Right? They're so not. they're, they all start following him. Also, he's really mad at AT&T. 
Everybody is mad at AT&T. I don't know why he was mad at AT&T. I don't know, but they're a cell phone provider. And if you've ever gone into a cell phone, cell phone, a cell phone place, you'll know that people just scream at the people that work there. And I'm assuming well, that was, happened back in the olden days, too. I don't know. He was also really mad about aluminum. Aluminum? Why? I, I don't know. Uh, okay, well, well, part of this is, like, like he's he start- just against aluminum in general. It kind of made me think of, like, those people that wear those little tinfoil hats. Yeah. With, like, the, the antenna on the top. he didn't want that. No, he was like, fuck the boogeymen of rural America. And their tinfoil. Fuck the American Medical Association, Wall Street, all that stuff. And really what it all boiled down to is he decided, like, his big arch enemy was... Bring my nose back up. The big enemy was the AMA because okay. he said that they had a cure out there. I think his mom got cancer, and okay. that's really what like sent him over the edge. Oh yeah, loony. Yeah, he started to get like really passionate about this, and he was basically like, "Hey, remember how I said he was mad about aluminum? Yeah, he told everybody that aluminum cooking tools were causing cancer. Oh, so how do you make that her. leap? I don't know. Like everybody was eating paint chips, and nobody cared." Yeah, there were a lot of things going on that. Like there were little things. kids that literally were like scraping it off the windows and eating it like fucking cereal in the morning. But Nobody cared about that. But aluminum cooking tools. That's what he was honing in on. So basically, he was like, okay, the AMA knows the cancer cure and they won't tell you because they want to make money off of doing things. And that's why they keep selling you aluminum. And that's why they keep doing bad things to you. And he got this big giant following of people. That's a conspiracy. Yeah. And then there was like other doctors that he was like, yeah, fuck yeah, they know. And there's this doctor down in Kansas City and he had a cancer sanitarium because that's what they called those back then. Sanitize the cancer. Yeah. It's like where they would work on okay. cancer people. And so his name was Dr. Charles Ozius. That guy had an idea for a cure. And Normie Boy got, like, all up into this, and he was like, fuck yeah, we're going to get together, and we're going to prove that we can cure cancer. Wow. Also, P.S., I'm going to make a shit ton of money. Of course he is. Of course he is. So, I don't know how this, like, morphed somehow into I really care about my mom and what happened to her, and then it totally, like, perverted the whole thing. Yeah. It, it starts to happen here. Okay. So he and Charles, they team up and they're like, all right, we need five volunteers and it's the summer of 1929. So he's been doing this now for four years and brainwashing people. And he totally adopted this new cancer causing cure thing that they had going on. You mean a cancer curing cure? You said a cancer causing cure. Right. <laughs> A cancer cure. Let's boil it down. All right. There was a cancer cure that they were injecting into people. Okay. What was that mean? Because he was like, y'all don't need to be like carving people up like a Thanksgiving turkey. We're just going to give them a series of injections. It's going to eat the cancer. It won't harm the surrounding tissue. Everything's going to be awesome. You just send your five people to me. So they do. 
So these people, they, they start coming around. He's putting stuff on the newsstands. He's like, cancer is cured. By December of 29 is when he's got these people in. By March, he had already killed like four of them. But that's not what he was reporting. It was seriously like the first one died like within the month. Yeah. Of December, like by Christmas. And then January, like another one. February, another one. March, another one. But they're just like, it's all good, everybody. These people are good. They're good. They're just pretending that they cured these people's cancer. They are. Because he, I don't know if he just really believed in, I don't know. Dude had some issues. Yeah. I don't believe he was a good person. By May, he had, like, the fifth person died. But they, but that nobody knows. They're just telling everybody that everything's awesome. But but this time, things were happening, and he opened this Baker Institute in Muscatine, Iowa, where he's from, right, mm-hmm. in January 1930. So in the year 1930 alone, he made $444,000. Holy crap. Which in today's money is $4.8 million. That's a lot of money. To kill people. Plus 8%. From the inflation this year. Because I'm sure this was written before that happened to us. But to tell people that you were just curing people when really they were just dying from cancer like they always have. Right. So he was like, he was hot shit, man. He was hot shit. He had this this hospital. All these people were coming. Everybody's in purple. Everybody's wearing purple. And I bet everything was purple. Oh, he also had a golden diamond horseshoe tie pin. Wow. <laughs> I just had to tell you that. And they also put it in the documentary. His little horse. Okay. He did. He did. And he also had a really bad wig on. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And he made out with his wife. Oh. I don't know why they had to have that in the documentary. Yeah. Like, did they find a historical record of him making out with his wife? Or were they just... No. Gross. No. I think it was just them, like, showing... That they love each other. Moving on. Okay. Okay. He's starting to piss people off because oh. there's, there's like rumors going around. They're like, so where the fuck are those five people? Like there's family members that are pissed, right? Oh, cause they're just like disappeared basically. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? So this dude from the JAMA, he's from the Journal of American Medical Association. So the JAMA. So I call him I like the JAMA. Yeah. I like him. I call him the JAMA mama. So yeah. the dude Jamma Mama was like, knock it off, fucker. I'm going to shut this huckster down. So they got in like a big yelly fight. In public? No, in the newspapers. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's in public. But it's just, just like, not like, it was like the comments section. Well, there's like a lot of capital letters. Oh, <laughs> okay. In I the like newspaper. That. All caps. Let's They're go. Like, You're a liar. I cure people. Patients start coming out of the woodwork. And he's like, he's like, okay, somebody's got to be out there. Like, I I know that I have supporters out there. I know I do. And it was weird. Like, you couldn't find anybody that was like alive. I swear. Everybody died. So later on, like, for instance, there was this man named John Tunis and his wife, Lula Tunis. She had cancer and he took Mm -hmm. her there and he said, quote, she took the needle treatments. She told me it was awful that five or seven needles a day were stuck into her and they would hold them there until the medicine ran out. Oh. She said it didn't do much good, said she wanted to go home, but she was getting worse. She was in terrible shape when she left the Baker Institute 
and went down in bed right away. Unquote. She died. Like, she died. right away after getting home. Like, she got home and she just died. How does somebody just keep, like, keep watching people die from it and feeling like they can just keep taking advantage of their family? Okay, so guess what he was injecting them with? What? Something purple? Basically, it was some, like, like, twiggy forest shit tea watermelon magic elixir Kool-Aid. Oh. It was basically, like, glycerin carbolic acid which i'll tell you about in a little bit alcohol and then he mixed it with like a tea brew some twiggy tea brew from watermelon seeds jeez brown corn silk and clover that nope so he's just like here have some fucking watermelon kool-aid i'm going to inject it into your body in mass quantities what made them think that those particular ingredients were the ones? Because watermelons. They're delicious. Hydrating? But... I don't know. Oh. I have no fucking idea, but people were buying it. Like, whatever he was selling, he was spoon feeding them this watermelon Kool Aid, and everybody was drinking it up while he was wearing his fucking purple suit. Ah. Uh. So, to prove himself to Jamma Mama, he's like, I'm going to have, like, one of those carnival-type things, right, where we have a big demonstration. So oh. he brings, like, all these people, and he's wearing his suit, and he decides that they're going to do, like, an open-air surgery on a 68-year-old man named Mandis Johnson. That is what the fuck. Super sterile. I thought that they were not cutting them open like Thanksgiving turkeys in the first place. Exactly. That's what I said, too. I'm like, why the fuck did they cut this man's head off? They cut his head off? Like the top of his head. Oh, like they opened up and like exposed his brains? Yeah, they had like a flap, basically, where it was like... So in the documentary, the dude was wearing like a little bowler hat. Yeah. And he was up on the stage just like, hello. And then they took the bowler hat off, and then they just, like, grabbed his hair and pulled off a chunk of his head. So they had, like, pre, like, they had, like, primed his head for this They had, like, primed his the head. Brain. Yes, and the man was alive. Well, they do brain surgery on people while they're awake now. He was just looking at everybody. And they'll, like, keep them awake so that they can, like, tell what parts of the brain that they touch. Oh, well, they kept him awake so that he could tell everybody that I feel great. Everything's good. Oh, my God. They just, like, pop off the top of his head. And then they start, like, putting the watermelon shit on his brain. Like, were they injecting it or, like, just, like, splashing yeah, it they might onto have been his painting brain? it onto his, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> splashing it onto They're his gonna, open like, brain. baptizing him with watermelon tea. I baptize you in the name of watermelon seed. Oh, God. Carbolic acid. Shit. Yeah. So dude's just sitting there and he's like, ah. that's refreshing on his head. They put the cap <sighs> back on. It makes my stomach feel like me. Yeah, basically. Basically, Huckster was like, watch this! And he drinks a bunch of the stuff, too. And he's like, see, it's not going to kill me. Yeah, but it's also not going to fix you. Yeah, just because it's not killing you doesn't mean that it's, like, not keeping you from being killed by something else. Or getting other treatment that may have elongated their lives. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Except bears. They will definitely kill you. They will definitely kill you. We found a really cool (laughs) sign at the Habitat Restore today, and Jules decided to buy it. 
I don't like signs usually that say things. That's why I was showing you because I thought you would hate it. But it was funny. And then you were like, I'm going to get this. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But yeah, I got it because it was fucking hilarious. It is funny. I like it. I'm going to put it in my garage stall for now. Okay. And then I'm going to build a whole ass cabin so that I can put it in there. Yeah. Okay. So he's just like drinking a jug of Kool-Aid in front of everybody. Yeah. He's just like drinking the cancer Kool-Aid, you know, putting stuff on dude's brain. And so Jamma comes out like in the, in the Yelly fight. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, that guy's brain wasn't really his brain. And I'm like, what? Was it a carved watermelon? It wasn't a carved watermelon. Well, like, I was thinking that, like, if you wanted to fake a brain, then you could, like, because, like, you could remove the shell from a watermelon. So you take, like, the watermelon shell and you make it look like a man's head with a wig. And then you pull it off and then you, like, carved up a watermelon to look like brains. Is this, this, like, the time that that we made a watermelon baby carriage? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That's what gave me the idea was when I made a watermelon baby carriage. There was a good reason for it. It was for a, uh... Um, baby shower. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the thing where the baby rains. Because <laughs> you couldn't remember what it was called either. Yeah. yeah. Where, where you rain on the baby. Where you rain gifts on the baby. What would she have done if, instead of making the baby carriage, we made a watermelon brain? Oh, what if we made, like, a creepy. baby with a watermelon brain cap? Oh, I don't like that. Okay, what was the what okay. was the brain cap actually made out of? Oh, they said Jamma guy said that it was just a swollen skull, because you know, super easy to con- like. Con- <laughs> Do people in the early 1900s know what brains looked like? I don't know. I think they thought that the the skull like apparently there was like membranes around it that were swollen, and he said that that's what it was, and not the actual brain. Wow. I don't think they knew what they were doing. Like, they needed to cut up a few more cadavers. Cadavers? Cadavers! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, I don't know what happened to that guy. I'm just assuming that he died of some sort of infection. Yeah. And cancer. Combined. After this was happening and everyone's like, yeah, you're right. That wasn't a brain. Whatever. I'm assuming that's what happened. Yeah. They ran... Normie McCreepy Pants out of town. Good. So he, like, had to go down to this other town on the border. I mean, he didn't have to, but he had, like, a lot of money. And like, he was on like, the border of Iowa. Yeah, he was like, I think I'm going to be in trouble <laughs> for the things I've been doing. So he pretty much ran away. Okay. And he went down to this border town um, near the Mexican border. Oh. And he got, like, an even bigger radio station because he's like, fuck you, Iowa. I'm going to go help people down south yeah Mm. so anyway he's down there apparently he didn't like the heat my god the heat i don't like the heat either i don't really know if that's what happened i'm just assuming because it's really hot down there yeah i live down south it's real hot anyway he got sick of that and he decided that it would be better if he just like came back with his bowler hat in hand and was like excuse me could we work something out iowegians I didn't mean to do that. Could we just mean to like open, like pretend to open a man's brain and splash purple Kool-Aid on it and pretend that he was curing cancer? Yeah, like can we just call bygones be bygones? Can we call bygones? (laughs) Okay, let bygones be bygones. Yeah, that's the one. All right, right from the bat. Cool. Anyway, so they worked out a deal. Oh, okay. That they did. You're right. He deserves forgiveness. So he got to serve it one day in jail, 
Oh, okay. Justice has been served. Justice has been served on a watermelon platter. Was there anything else? Yeah. He had to pay a fine of $1,050, which in today's money is some money. It's like 48,000. It might, I mean, like that was significant for people back then, but not when he's really fucking rich. No, it really wasn't significant. He went to jail for one fucking day. He's like, so fucked up. He's like, so I cut a man's head off. I killed some people. God. Anyway. He was a celebrity. He went back and he thought everyone was just going to receive him again with open arms after he did his time. Yeah. But turns out on the day after he got out of jail, things weren't going so well. Is there an angry mob? No, actually, oh. I don't know what day it was after he got out of jail. Okay. I said that and then was like, oh, no, I better backtrack. I don't know how long it was. Yeah. Anyway, what happened was is that everyone was crushing his dreams in Iowa. They told him that he couldn't have a radio station anymore. He wanted to open, like, a research center, and they were like, are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> They're like, you just got for this. Yeah, so this man with a 10th grade education was no longer allowed to be a fake-ass doctor. And then he was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll run for Senate. And they were like, no, you didn't even make it on the ballot. And then he was like, okay, just kidding, I'm going to run for governor. And they were like, no, fuck off. And (laughs) and so he was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to leave. You know, I've worn out my welcome here. I'm going to go. That's probably the best. Yeah, and he still has a lot of money. So, what does he do? Like, at this point in time, things are starting to turn. Things are getting all grapes of wrath, you know? Like, the 30s are coming at him hard. So, he finds out about this place that's basically, like, called the Switzerland of America. I bet you can't guess where it is. Oh, I bet you you can guess where it is because of the story at the beginning with the body junks. Yeah, it was Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Eureka Springs! Oh, Guess what? What? So Eureka Springs became like a really famous place because they had these springs. That would they have made you like happy and you're like, Eureka. Or you got good ideas? I think they thought. people say Eureka when you get a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you yell. Okay. So they sit in the spring and they get good ideas. No, they sit in the spring and it has healing powers. Oh, like cancer? So that's why it would make sense for him to go there. That's why the watermelon tea wasn't working. It didn't have exactly it didn't have like a water in it. It needed to have that. Oh shit! Okay, I'm glad so he figured fuck, it out. I know. I'm glad he cured cancer. I he decided he was gonna make a place where sick folks get well. So okay. what did he do? Okay. There was this giant hotel there. It stands like two thousand feet above sea level in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. It was built in the neo-Gothic style, and they called it the Castle in the Air. So, a giant so fucking it's on place. A hill. It's on fucking mountains. Okay. It's bigger than a hill. Bigger. It's 2,000 feet above sea level. That's a lot. In Arkansas. So, it was built in 1886. Wasn't that, like, around the time that he got born? I think, but I can't remember. He was like in his early 20s, in the early 1900s, so yeah. That sounds about right. 
So they were like him and the hotel were like born aroundish the same time. Yeah. And it was built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad. And it cost $294,000 to build, which is roughly a billion dollars in today money. God, that's a lot of money. Plus 8%. It was originally on 27 acres, and now it stands on 15 acres. So they were those healing springs. And when they first built it, it was built by some Irish guys and a bunch of stonemation. Stonemasons. Go backwards. A bunch of stonemason Irish guys. Okay. Okay. So right from the get-go, right from the bat, there was a stonemason. Why can't I say the word stonemason? Oh, try, try again. Okay. Try, try again. Okay. Stonemason guys are working on it. Okay. And there's this Irishman named Michael. He was a cat caller. I fucking hate cat callers. Well, he was he was a cat caller. Like a really intense cat caller. <laughs> he cat called so hard that he fell over a fucking balcony and died. Shit. Like he was like he's like, holla! Ah! And fell and died. Can you imagine if you were the woman that he cat called so hard that he fell out a window and died? I bet she was really hot. I bet that that's a big boost to your ego. You're like, I'm so hot, I killed a man. I bet actually it was really fucking gross. I bet it was. She was probably like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want it. Anyway, room 218 at the hotel today. Yee. Yikes. Is he still there? He's like, you go in and you're a lady and he's like, he's like, hey girl. Hello. And his Irish accent. I don't know how to do them. He so. squeezes your butt. Yeah. 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 I want to stay in that room. Not because I want to get my butt squeezed. <laughs> Let's just be like, I really want to get cat called by this guy. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, <laughs> I just feel like if something's going to happen... It would be kind of a fun story. Yeah, it would be. I definitely want to stay in this haunted hotel. Okay. It's like on my list. I looked it up already. I think it's like a 14-hour drive. Oh, shit. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. It turns out it's not. It's not. Okay, so. Anyway. So, when it was a hotel back then, they actually built it out of these giant, like, limestone. Stone. Okay. What do you call them? The giant boulder bricks? I I think that's what I'd call them. Okay. Well, they built out the hotel base out of that thing and probably the rest of the walls too. Yeah. But it does supposedly have some sort of like energy that is absorbed into the limestone. Okay. Like some crystal-y people. Or whatever, think that that's why the haunting is so heavy there. So when people die, it just sucks up their energy. Just like, mm-hmm. well, but I think it probably has more to do with the creepy ass shit I'm about to tell you. Okay. Okay. So it's made for like super, super rich people. And it's a summer resort because like, I, I think like snow might happen in the winter there. I don't really know. Don't but know whatever the case stuff. is, like rich people would go there they pretty much would only take rich people that were fancy, and that was cool for a minute, but then people weren't able to afford 
to actually like upkeep the hotel with the amount of money that they were making. Yeah. So they decided that they were going to turn it into a girls school as well in 1901. So what they would do is have like all the girlies come during the school year. And then when they would go home, then they would open it back up as a resort. Smart. That's a smart business decision. Yeah. So one of the girls that, that was there, supposedly she got knocked up. Like, I don't, there was a couple different stories, but I'm just going with the most scandalous version of it. Yeah. So chick is knocked up. She's like, I'm so ashamed. And well, either she got catcalled to death or <laughs> she might have jumped off a balcony. Shit. Like, that's serious. Maybe he grabbed her butt and then she fell because she got startled. I personally think what happened is that Ghost Michael, he, like, goosed her and she was like, oh, fuck! And then she fell off the balcony. She probably wasn't even pregnant. Yeah, she might not have been. Well, guess what? What? Now he has a friend. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're ghosting together. They just hang out together ghosting around. Maybe they're in love. What? Maybe. (laughs) Probably not. Like, Michael fucking killed her. What a dick. He goosed her and killed her. Well, he wanted someone in the afterlife with him. And he was like, well, I guess this is the one. Well, he's not faithful. God, what a dick. I know. He's a horrible ghost. All right. Anyway, so the hotel was empty from 1924 to 1930 because the girls' college didn't really work out long term. I'm not sure if it was because of that girl that got goosed and died or whatever, but just didn't work out. Okay. And so then it was empty during that time, and then it briefly became a junior college for four years. Does a junior college mean that boys and girls get to intermingle together? And that year, I'm sure that there probably maybe would have been, but it's also possible that, I mean, there's was likely mostly men going there anyway. Mostly men. Probably yeah. anyway. Yeah. And then also those, I was going to say those women. Yeah. It would be that, that time where those women were going to college so that they could meet a mentalist. Anyway. Okay. So it was briefly a junior college, and I don't know what that means. And then it was empty from 1934 to 1937. So at this point, the place is already pretty haunted as fuck. Yeah. By Michael and the other dead girl. Yeah. And, oh, this is the part I wanted to tell you at the beginning. So guess what? What? It was designed by the same guy that designed the St. Louis World's Fair. Oh, so the arch guy. Is that what that is? Yeah, it came from the World's Fair. Okay, well, it basically has, like, a carny air about it. So, of course, McCreepypants is like, you know what? I want to buy a big carny place. Yeah, that makes sense at home. So, it's like the 30s, you know, it's all doom and gloom. And people weren't going on vacation or anything. And the place was just, like, falling into disrepair. And they really just wanted to, like, get it off their hands, like, whoever it was that was owning it at that point. Yeah. And they sold it to Norman um, for $40,000. And it cost, like, Can you fucking believe that? and some thousand or 400 and some thousand? It's like a hotel mansion. 
Yeah. $40,000. It would be 748000 today plus 8%. That's a really good deal because it costs a million or a billion dollars in today's money. Yeah. To build. That's an yeah. awesome deal. That's a good deal. Good job, Lana. I mean, like it would have been a, a good really job. good investment except for dun, dun, dun. obviously he can't stop doing bad shit. Yeah, he's, like, obsessed with cancer. Well, that's what happens when you put somebody into jail for one day. They don't learn anything. He didn't have time to think. He didn't learn anything. He didn't. They didn't even break his piggy bank with the fine. So he took another $50,000 of his money and decided to turn it into a complete carnival shit show, painted everything in weird colors, mostly lavender. I was going to say probably mostly purple, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, happy colors make people less dead. Yeah, that is actually the cure to cancer. So, apparently, he still had, like, believers in Muscatine. And he brought, like, the whole Scoob gang down from Muscatine. Like, people that worked for him before. Yeah. Plus, like, 140 patients that he had found in Muscatine Uh. that wanted to come. Why were there so many fucking patients in that little tiny town? That, like... I don't know, like, do we know how big that town is? I don't understand this part. I've never heard of Muscatine and we live in the Midwest, so that makes me feel as though something in that area was causing cancer besides aluminum. It was the aluminum tinfoil hats that they wore. Yeah, something like that. Something in that area must have been that many people. I don't know. Like, or maybe those 140 patients were just, like, people that were in his radio hearing area. Oh, What do you call it? A broadcast. Yes. Okay. The broadcast area? Yeah. Okay. So he decides, like, okay, I'm starting over down here. He does, like, a million-dollar campaign. Like, he spends a million dollars on this thing. And he's, like, puts it all over the newspapers. I saw some of them. They were really weird. And it's, like, where sick folks get well. Ooh. And he's, like, come to the Switzerland of America. And basically, like, there were newspapers around the Arkansas area that were, like, you should do this. Yeah, they were like, go oh to my the God, place. Man, yeah, awesome, cancer, place awesome cancer sanitarium place coming. It's going to be so awesome. And Normie was like, I'm fucking famous. There's fresh air. There's crystal healing waters up in this bitch. He's talking all about the Eureka Springs, all that good stuff. I read this article from the Harrison Times from Harrison, Arkansas, of July 22nd of 1937. And it was basically like, it's opening, isn't that great? And they were saying all these awesome things about it, but then at the end of it, they had this little, like, tagline that was just like, and also, for some reason, he has been located personally on the border of Mexico. That's some great investigative journalism. I know. It was almost as if they felt like they had to put this little blurb at the end, like, well, we didn't really find out why he had to leave his original place, but he does awesome things. This is your tiny disclaimer at the end. Yeah, it it was just like a little, hmm. Proceed with caution. Proceed with caution, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Because I don't want to get in trouble because it's bringing a bunch of money into your springs. Yeah, I'm sure. That's really what they were excited about. Yeah. Is that, like, the economy there... Like, they thought that this hotel was going to bring, like, all this great stuff to the area. And then when it wasn't doing so great, they were like, this is our chance to, like, refresh the area. 
all these people are going to come. It's going to bring all these jobs. So it, that's what it mm-hmm. did. Like it did. It brought a bunch of jobs. Like they didn't have any other choice, you know, like they didn't want to go through the radiation treatments. They were, you know, things weren't working for a bunch of people because yeah. like there was nothing really back then that could fix what was going on. Yeah. And he was promising that it wasn't such a big deal. Like they just had to get like a bunch of injections. Yeah. Like a billion injections. Kool-Aid. So people were going there for other reasons too. It wasn't just cancer. It oh. was like all sorts of things. Did he just use the same treatment on everything? Yes. He's just like this magical watermelon quality is the bomb ass shit because Eureka Springs. Perfect. That's that was what it was. Yeah, that was all he needed. That's what went wrong. Okay. It must so what happened to these people? So no matter what you have, they're like, you get an injection and you're going to get an injection about it, too. Ah. And all these things, like, the people that worked there started joking that they were, like, machine guns because they were giving so many injections and, like, rapid succession. So they were just, like, yeah, just shooting everybody up. Ah. Uh. So some of the local workers started to get suspicious. The people that, like, he didn't bring with him. Yeah. Because he, like I said, he was giving people all these these jobs. But the locals were, like, but there's, like, some creepy shit about this. He has this psych wing. And the psych wing, like, those that did get to go in there, they realized it was soundproof. And it was, like, sealed off. Shit. What was he doing in there? Well, what would happen is he would, like, he'd basically, like, go in there and, like, put a stamp on people's foreheads that was, like, you're cured. You know? Because yeah. he's a doctor. Right. With a 10th grade education. With a 10th yeah. grade education. Who was also a mentalist. Anyway, so he's basically, like, declaring these people cured. The only problem was that, like, the people he was declaring cured, they clearly looked like fucking zombies because they were just, like, getting way worse. Yeah. So the people that were working there that were from the area were like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, he's saying that these people are better. And then, then all he of would a sudden, put them in the psych wing? yeah, he would like put him in the psych wing, and like Fuck. only his special workers go back there. Yeah, yeah. So some of them, he would just like send them home, and be like, "You're cured. Go ahead, go home." And then like some of the people were actually just like dying on the train on the way home. God. So these people probably would have lived longer had they not gotten the cure. Yeah, had they been, like, treated with respect or at least not had, like, a terrible end to their life. So here's the other thing. Like, what the fuck else was he doing to these people? That it had to be soundproofed. Yeah. And they found, remember, all of those nasty-ass, like, surgical tools, the body chunks. He probably, at some point, was like, crap, this stuff's not working. The world's, like, collapsing around me. I'm going to try to cut these things out of people. That's what they, <sighs> that's what they seem to think. Because it wasn't just him. Like, there were other doctors there, too. I mean, air quotes, doctors. Yeah, like, whenever I think about just surgery in general, I always, like, I'm I'm really happy we have it in our world now. But I always, like, wonder to myself, like, what kind of fucked up things happened to get where we are now? Like, who was like, I'm going to cut into this person and figure this shit out? And, like, how terrible was the situation? I mean, like, you got to have a lot of balls to cut off the top of somebody's head. While yeah. they're awake. 
Oh. Just be like, here, I'm going to put some Kool-Aid in your brain. Splashy splash. <sighs> Can you All imagine, right. like, the Kool-Aid man? He should have had, like, <laughs> he should have had, like, the Kool-Aid man as, as one of his, uh, like, on his posters. Yes. Kool-Aid used to have this thing with points when I was a kid. I you remember. Yeah. Do you ever remember that I, like, there was one summer in particular, like, it became this goal of mine. Every single person I knew that drank Kool-Aid, which was everybody. Yeah. I went to, like, everybody I knew and was like, can I please have your points? Can I please have your points? What did you get with it? I can't remember. Oh, my God. It was, like, the best day ever. I got the mail and I got, like, like a Kool-Aid t-shirt and maybe there was a hat. I don't even know, but it was fucking Kool-Aid man on everything. Wow. Well, that's, like, that's an accomplishment. It was like Amazon before Amazon became a thing. I did that with like the Pepsi lids. You did? What did you get? I don't remember. I remember I got something. It wasn't as much as I wanted to, but. It was one of the most exciting summers I had. I'm really proud of you. I was proud of me too. Okay. So back to this guy. So anyway. There's a secret wing. He's probably doing some experiments given that he told people he didn't cut into anybody, but there's surgical tools and like yeah. specimen jars and weird shit. God. Yeah, so there, I'm sure it wasn't just him that was like fucked up and messing with people. I'm sure it was the other doctors that were there too. But basically, um, the rumors were starting to go. They were saying that he was doing the experiments down in the basement because there, people didn't really know about it, but there was a morgue in the basement. They were also saying that there were underground tunnels that led into a crematorium. <laughs> the crematorium. <laughs> that's how it's said so there's somebody else out there like that knows he's just like there's just people dying like crazy well he's got a lot of money them. he's probably just paying people I know he did have like he had one nurse and we find out later on that basically at like 11pm every night she would like drag the bodies of all the people she must have been really fucking tired. Yeah. Can you imagine if your job was like every day? It was like every day, 11 p.m., I got to go collect the dead people so I can burn them before anybody finds out. Okay. How come the families weren't like, where the fuck are my people? I'm sure that they had to have been or they just like thought, like you're not, well, they had telephones back then. They could call the people, right? Okay, well. Like, I, so I was like, oh, I haven't gotten a letter for a while. I sent them to this hospital. Well, I think basically that's what happened is that people were like, Okay, you said my person was getting better. They went someplace, and now all of a sudden, poof, they disappeared. So I'm. It, this didn't go on very long. It only went on for twenty months. Oh, okay. So he got. I mean, that, like, that's what happened. People were like, "Oh, my my family members just disappeared." I like how they said twenty months, as if it was you know, like how some people age their babies. Yeah, like so, just under two years. That's what I would say. Yeah. Anyway, his hospital was twenty months old. And they confirmed that 44 people died, but it was like a lot more than that. Oh my God. That's all they could confirm. Uh, they didn't do autopsies on anybody that died because, well, they had cancer. Seriously? Yeah. The people just, I mean, like the people that were there he took advantage of them. He took such advantage of them that he, like, I'll tell you in a little bit here how much money he made off of all of these people in 20 months. But it's fucked. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the the magic watermelon Kool-Aid. 
and what was in it. Yeah. Because we heard, even like you told us what was in it, but like, what is that stuff? Okay. Carbolic acid. What's that? Is also known as phenol. And it's a poison that causes organ failure. Oh, fuck. So this is like, this is not. So she was accelerating the process. He was totally accelerating the process. And I don't know how he wouldn't have known that it was killing people because literally at around the same time, they found out that the Nazis were using carbolic acid to euthanize people in the concentration camps. I don't know what the fuck happened to this man. That's, that's the part about it. That's why I wanted to like go into his whole history and everything. Cause yeah, I'm like, cause like, seems like he has a loving family. Yeah. I mean, he had like, like seven or nine siblings that supposedly loved him. Didn't do this shit. And his parents were decent people. Okay, what else about this guy, though? All right, so he did, like, he was caught, right? But how did they catch him? This is so fucked. They didn't catch him for killing people. They actually charged him with mail fraud. They felt that their strongest case was to get him for mail fraud because of all those, like, newsletters that he had sent out about the place. He sent out, remember his, like, million-dollar, uh, what do you call that? Million-dollar campaign. Campaign. Yeah. His million-dollar campaign, remember that? Um, He sent out nearly four million newsletters. And so they charged him with mail fraud. It was funny because they... There were like seven people charged with, quote, using the mails to defraud, unquote. The mails. The mails. Well, I have heard of that being used in other cases before. Like, it's it's a good solid way. And it's, I think that's why, like, sometimes they make stuff going on the mail such a big deal. Like, why there's so much? Because they use it to get these bigger crimes. Okay, but why does nobody care when somebody steals your mail, like porch pirates? That's yeah, the part. Fucking Amazon stealers. If you're a, an Amazon mail stealer, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, stay away from a goddamn mailbox. Anyway, okay. So mail fraud. There, there was like seven other people that were involved in this whole thing that were also charged, but I don't really know what happened to those people. I'm pretty sure his sister had something to do with this, like one of his oh. sisters, and that nothing happened to her. Oh, so a couple of them were fucked up. Yeah. One of the doctors, um, O.L. Beatty, he <laughs> purchased his license for $800 out of God. Kansas City. Well, yeah, that tells you. So when they were arguing in court, um, I think their attorney was like, he said, this is an actual quote, at least one patient was treated and lived. Oh, it all matters when you save one life. Yeah, it just takes one. And I'm sure that they had nothing to do with saving that one life. Yeah, so the odds are pretty good. Totally. So what happened to them Like when they were... Like, they were found guilty, I imagine? Yeah, he he was found guilty and probably some of those other people. But some of them got away with it. Ugh. Um, And he ended up at Leavenworth Prison for three years. So, yeah, three years. And he got a $4,000 fine. Okay, so they found those bottles and everything at what is now the Crescent Hotel? Yes. So what happens there? Like, is there anything else now going on there besides 
cat collars and butt grabbers and well, I'm gonna get down to that. Teens. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get down to that. Okay. So when when he got this fine and everything, and then they were like divvying up his assets and everything, it turns out that that Norm embezzled like a million dollars cash. From he was like the hospital. Yeah, he he was like he was like hey Selma. Thelma was his secretary. Okay. He's like, hey, Selma. He's like, can you go be, like, sneaky, sneaky and, like, go take some with Jaws, like, a whole ass load of them in cash? Yeah. And then she, like, smuggled it down to that, down to that little Mexican town. It's Nueva, Nuevo Laredo. Okay. Um, And he got away with it. He got to keep his fucking million dollars. I don't know if part of this other deal was, like, I'm not really sure why they were, like, divvying up his assets. Like, did he lose his ass on other stuff? I suppose he had, like, bills to pay and stuff. Yeah, like, they had to prisons. Whatever. The world is unjust. He put it, like. Unjust. Unjust? Yeah. It's not okay. Do you think he still wore purple when he got out? I'd imagine that's what color all his clothes were. So if he got to have his old clothes back, of course they were purple. I think he probably had like grimace underwear, like his undies. Yeah, I would imagine that he literally got everything in purple. That's how I, I'm just picturing it. Like he's even got like a little purple hat on his head. <gasps> he's like the Hamburglar and Grimace mixed together. Oh my God, he is. He is. Do you think that he was really upset about his prison suit? Yeah. He was like, what purple? He was probably really upset about his prison suit. Anyway, you're not going to believe this shit. He went back to Muscatine afterwards. Of and it was like, He's like, hey guys, do you still love me? And they were like, yeah, come on back. Can you forgive me? And they were like, fuck you, dude. Oh, he still tried to open a research center. Again. Yeah, true story. I mean, ish. You know, with how quickly he jumped other ships, like, he started all these other professions, and then, like, he was fine with that, he just kind of jumped around, but then with this cancer stuff, he just can't fucking drop it. How can people like this make so many different careers, and, like, other normal people like me have to try, like, super, super hard at one? Because the world is fucked up. Like, you have to be, like, a shady-ass motherfucker. Anyway... So he ended up going like where all the crazies go. He went to Florida. <laughs> Don't laugh. And he got a boat slip next to Dexter's in Miami. But guess what happened to him? What? Did he get eaten by a shark? Yeah. Cool. No, he didn't get eaten by a shark. He got liver cancer. Good fucker. And then guess how he treated it? It's the only time I've ever said good about it. Okay, he, but anyway. liver cancer Um, so he didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Or put it on his liver. Oh. But he did go to the Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan. Um, I guess they had, like, a pretty good reputation. Yeah. Um, and when he was 75 years old, he died in 1958. That fucker got to live to be 75 years old. He literally spent four whole-ass years in prison and spent, like, $5,000 on fines. I just don't get the world some days. I want to believe that he was miserable inside. I hope so, but I don't know that he was. So, Crescent Hotel during this time, it basically became like a money pit until the 1970s. Like, nobody was really taking care of it, blah, blah, blah. The 60s happened. 
They buried all those body chunks with the bottles. Yeah. You know that part, right? But then in the 70s, um, they decided that they were, they were gonna do something with it. That's when they turned it back into a hotel. And they're okay. like, you know what? This place is fucking haunted as hell. We got Michael the Stone Mason. Why can't I say Stone Mason? I don't know. Okay. The Stone Mason. <laughs> He's in there. The goosey girl that he grabbed and killed. She's I made that part up, guys. I don't know how that girl died. But she died. Yeah. And then you have, like, all the people that died in the fucking padded rooms or whatever. They had the soundproof yeah, place. Yeah, so many cancer victims. So yeah. many cancer victims that he did awful, awful things to. And when it opened in the 1970s, like, there was all sorts of, all sorts of unexplained phenomenon like mysterious vapors and ghostly figures and sounds coming out of empty rooms um objects being moved even though nobody was around i know about that i had a house like that you did me too yours was like creepier than mine your haunted house they were literally blocks apart yeah we we seriously both lived in this little ass town um at different times yes at different times, but the houses were less than, what, four blocks from each other? Yeah. Maybe three blocks. And they were both haunted. They were both haunted. Mine no longer exists. They knocked that fucker down. I think whoever lived there next was like, nope, no, thank you, never mind. I don't think your ghost was scary. No, I think it was like a little girl ghost, which mm-hmm. does scare me. But I was happy living there. I Like, as much as I don't, I'm afraid of haunted stuff, and I did sleep with, like, some lights on in the house. I love that house. So. Well, I talked to your ghost. Yeah, you did. And I didn't like that. You got really mad at me. Well, because I don't want to. I don't want to see it. In my defense, I was drunk. Like I like I like to hear about ghosts. I like to listen to the scary stories. I like to know about it. I like to tell people about my experiences. But I don't want to like see an apparition. Apparitions and demons. They both those two things scare me. Well, I want to see one. I know. I do, but I don't. Like, it would be fine if it was one of those ones where I, like, found out it was a ghost afterward. Where I was, like, and suddenly they were gone. I'd be like, shit, it was a ghost. I didn't even know it happened. I would be okay with that kind. I keep putting myself into situations. Like, I actively. Someday it'll happen to you. I actively go ghost hunting. Like, I go to these haunted hotels on purpose and stay there. Yeah. With my children. You make them walk down creepy hallways. They like it. Sort of. Sort of. It's entertaining for us as the parents. Yeah, what if a demon gets your kid? No, the kid, the girls are into it. I care about your daughters. I love them, and I don't want them to get demoned. The girls are into it. Ask them. They don't cry. When I tell them, they're also, like, old enough, right? Yeah. But they, they do get excited when we go and stay at one. Like, I think it's fun for us because it's like you tell, like, the ghost stories, and then we go and hunt for them. We lived in a haunted house. That's true. That's true. It's not like it's a big shock to you. Okay, so you guys are going okay. this one day. So this place, this place is, um, supposedly this guy created the most supernormal chaos because things are nuts there now. Um, they call themselves the most haunted hotel in America, but like a lot of hotels say <laughs> yeah. that too. Yeah. And they even like went so far as to have a penthouse bar 
and it used to be called Dr. Baker's Lounge. <laughs> yeah, that's kind so of they're they're leaning in. Well, what else can you do with a space like that? But the cool part is that I don't know what it's called now. They didn't tell me that part, and I'm not good at researching. But it says it currently serves uh, various drinks and dishes that are named after or alluding to the killer. Wow. So he's dead now, and he's probably really happy with this accomplishment. He probably is. Like, he's probably really into it. They do those nightly ghost tours, so I'm definitely going to do that. This is a pro tip for you. When you're going to go to a haunted hotel, make sure that you, like, call ahead and make sure that you're on a list for the haunted tour. Oh, okay. Because I did have, like, the last one that we stayed at went up to the desk, and I thought that I would just have to tell them when I got there. Yeah. But they said that the person that gives the tours, that they actually need to know, like, at least 48 hours in advance. Oh, wow. Okay. Because there's certain people that give the tours, and not everybody does. Oh. So they just need to be prepared for you. They literally gave us a piece of paper. And they were, they gave us this piece of paper, they're like, here's the instructions. To to ghost tour yourself? Yes, here, go ghost tour yourself. What? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of fun because we're on our own then. Yeah. And did stuff, but that that's for a different episode. Uh, So here is some cool stuff. Those bottles that we talked about, when you go on the ghost tour, they do uh, take you down to the basement, I think. And they have them there? Yeah, in the morgue. Ew. You don't want to go into the morgue? I don't know if I do. Get on the morgue, and you can see the creepy ass bottles. Oh my god! I wonder if they still have the penises in them. They might still have little penis chunks in them. Oh god! <laughs> I don't even have a penis, and it hurts me to say that. Anyway, so there's also a history of a lot of cats at this hotel. Maybe they want to eat the chunks. Maybe. So there's one in particular. In 1973, there was an orange tabby that showed up, and the little guy just, like, wouldn't leave for, like, 21 years. Aww. His name is Morris. I mean, not anymore. Well, it still is, kind of. So he ghosty. Yeah, just wait. So they call him the general manager. Aww. They constructed a special kitty door for him. Like, uh, it has these little carpeted steps, and... On the little thing that goes, like, in and out, they have, like, a little step that goes in and the one that goes out. Oh, Morris. Yeah. He just gets to go back and forth. When he died, like, 300 people attended his funeral. People loved him. I know. And they made him a little headstone. Oh. And there's a poem. I'm going to read it for you. Okay. Because it's so sweet. In memory of Morris, the resident cat at the Crescent Hotel, he filled his position exceedingly well. The general manager title he wore was printed right there on his own office door. He acted as greeter and sometimes a guide. Whenever his duties, he did them with pride. He chose his own hours and set his own pace. The guests were impressed with his manners and grace. Upstairs and down, he kept everything nice. He might have had ghosts, but they never had mice. (laughs) 
That was, I thought that was great. The author of that was a regular Dr. Seuss. I know, right? Okay, so in the lobby, when you go there still, yeah. when I go to visit there, totally going to hang out in the lobby like at 3 a.m. Oh, nope. No, thank you. Because you can hear him do his little purr. And, oh, it's just like a ghost cat. And he'll like rub up against your leg. Have they had any like scary ghosts, like mean ghosts, or is it just all like lighthearted ghosts? I don't think, I don't know. Like if you could ensure that this is a lighthearted ghost and kitties, then I could, I could do that. I mean, they're like kitty ghosts. I'm sure there's people that were like tormented there. So I'm sure oh, that's yeah, not good. I forgot good. about that. It was like the biggest part. Yeah, that. It. it probably has a bunch of dark, nasty energy pent up in there oh, too. Those poor people. Anyway, you know, it had it had a long, dark reputation even before Norman Baker set up shop, but it's going to continue long after he leaves. And I'm going to leave you with one last little tidbit here. Apparently, in 2017. A ghost walked out of the bar, fell over the staircase railing inside the hotel, and fell four stories and died. Did you say a ghost? A guest. Oh, a guest. Did I say a ghost? Well, maybe they're probably a ghost now. But I was trying to be very serious about that. That's not a welcoming space at all. So do you, it could have been an accident. I mean, they came out of the bar. Yeah, drunk people get hurt and die a lot. Yeah, they do. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's fun, but so get hurt. I when I go, I won't drink. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I will stay away from the railings. In yeah, case, don't go <gasps> by them. In case Michael gets me. Yeah. Just in case Michael's just he's getting you. Grabs my ass. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. With that, I'm I'm gonna wrap up episode two. Well, I'm, I do want to tell you guys a couple other things really quick here. What? Just that if you liked this episode and the one before it, please, please, please tell your friends about us. Tell them to come and listen. Follow us on whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on. Check out our Instagram. It's weird shit. My mom says podcast is our handle on Instagram. Go out and find it. Follow us. I'll put announcements out there when we're getting ready to do an episode, when we drop one out. Um, really, really appreciate you listening to us. Go on all the grams. Yeah, I don't have one for all the grams yet, but I'll keep adding to it. Okay. We appreciate you people, our family members, all five of you, and our three listeners. Exactly. If you're one of our first three listeners, thank you. Unless you're that guy that stole my Amazon packages. Okay. All right. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.